From the KTOO Newsroom in Juneau, I'm Yvonne Cremery. Good afternoon. This month, Governor Dunleavy's Energy Security Task Force released a draft of their statewide energy plan. The draft lays out some broad intentions to bring more renewable energy into the state, but it also calls for the controversial Alaska LNG pipeline. That's disappointed climate activists and renewable energy advocates. KTOO's Anna Canny has more. The draft statewide energy plan breaks down strategies to upgrade energy for three major regions in Alaska, rural communities, the coasts, and the rail belt. Energy policy analyst Ben Bodiger with the Cook Inlet Keeper said the plan takes a broad approach. It was kind of a large collection of every energy idea anyone's ever had for the past 10 years in one document. There are mentions of micronuclear and renewables like wind, solar, and tidal power. But the only specific projects are proposals that have long been criticized by renewable energy advocates. The document calls for revisiting long-discussed mega-projects like the Susitna Dam and the Alaska Liquid Natural Gas Pipeline, also known as the AKLNG project. The proposed 800-mile pipeline would run from the North Slope to the Cook Inlet. Activist Arlie Hitchcock with Fairbanks Climate Coalition said it would be a carbon bomb emitting a massive amount of greenhouse gases that cause climate change. We need to move away from natural gas, uh, still fossil fuel, and a limited resource and unreliable. The draft plan claims that bringing the pipeline to fruition would be good for rail belt utilities, which rely almost entirely on natural gas from Cook Inlet. Cook Inlet supplies could run short before the end of the decade. But the project also has a $40 billion price tag. And to build it, Alaska would have to sell some gas leases to buyers outside of the state, mostly in Asia. No buyers have come forward yet. Critics say the project is not financially feasible, and it's not clear how much of the hypothetical gas supply from the AKLNG would be sold to Alaskans. Hitchcock said the draft plan's focus on the AKLNG and other natural gas prospects was disappointing. It would have been nice to have seen this task force come out with some real solutions, some renewable energy solutions, instead of continuing the same extractive model for the state that isn't working. The draft plan does lay out broad intentions to promote renewable projects. Things like workforce development and recruitment, new financing options for renewable energy projects, and more money towards the state's existing renewable energy fund. The plan also calls for the adoption of a clean energy standard. Early on, the task force considered a renewable energy standard instead. That would have set enforceable targets and deadlines for utilities to incorporate more sustainable energy like solar and wind power. The clean energy standard, which the task force ultimately endorsed, is incentive-based and has looser terms. It's too early to tell if any of these suggestions will do much to significantly increase the amount of renewable energy in the state. But Bodiger, with Cook Inlet Keeper, said the draft plan could motivate lawmakers. This is going to be influential in the legislature. I expect it'll definitely help elevate these issues, but as for solving them, it's not a solution in itself. None of the draft plan's proposals are hard commitments yet. And notably, in nearly 150 pages of proposed renewable energy strategies, the report only mentions climate change once. In Juneau, I'm Anna Canny. At the anchored stop of her Road to Healing tour, Secretary Deb Holland told the gathering at the Alaska Native Heritage Center on Sunday that it's important to hear from boarding school survivors and their families. She hopes to better understand how to end the cycle of trauma that has been passed down through the generations. As KNBA's Rhonda McBride reports, the secretary heard from a Tlingit elder from Sitka who asked her to dig deeper. A warning, the story contains references to child death, racist and ableist language.
My Tlingit name is Shaganasta. Bob Sam says his Tlingit name gives him an important responsibility. The word means the man who taught human beings how to respect the dead. And out of respect for the dead, Bob Sam called for a full accounting of what happened to Alaska Native children who were sent to schools out of state, where many died. Every single boarding school child that has died, their last thought was, I want to come home. Sam says the remains of these children should be returned to their families so they can heal. He also says the Interior Department's investigation needs to use a wider net to include institutions like the Morningside Mental Hospital in Portland, Oregon. Before statehood and into the early 1960s, children with physical and intellectual disabilities were sent to the asylum. Many never returned. Some died. This gets even deeper. You know how Morningside was funded. It was funded by the Department of Interior. Sam told the secretary there was also an orphanage called Baby Louise Haven in nearby Salem, where many Alaska Native babies died, also funded by the federal government. I think it's critically important to know this history. Nisha Steinkruger, a former Fairbanks judge, came out of retirement to launch the Lost Alaskans Project. She says knowing the history helps to prevent mistakes of the past. That's why she and other volunteer researchers have combed court records at the state archives in Juneau to find out what happened to Alaskans who were sent to Morningside and Baby Louise Haven. Steinkruger agrees with Bob Sam that families deserve answers. We know that there were at least 1,500 Alaskans that died at Morningside Hospital and never came home to Alaska. Steinkruger says these were mostly adults, both white and Alaska Native. But most of the children, based on archival photographs, appear to be mostly Native. She says one photo stands out, a picture of the children outdoors with hand-typed words in the left-hand corner that reads, Alaska Defectives, happily in the mild climate at Morningside. Steinkruger says she also came across some disturbing correspondence between staff at Baby Louise Haven and the state of Alaska. I just remember this one letter asking about up to what age child they would take. And they said, well, the children had to be under four feet because the enclosed cribs, as they call them, which is like a crib cage, a child could not be longer than four feet to fit in there. Steinkruger says based on records of family names, most of the children at Baby Louise Haven were also Alaska Native. She says government entities that took charge of these children have a responsibility to help their families. Bring their remains back to Alaska for their families. As for Bob Sam, he's planning a trip to Portland to visit the graves of the children who died at Morningside. He says 
He will drink tea and talk to them and sing songs in the Thlinket language. Let's be the best of who we are, and let's bring our children home. And that, says Bob Sam, is the first step on the road to healing. In Anchorage, I'm Rhonda McBride. Bogusloff Volcano is showing signs of unrest that could lead to an eruption. The volcano is 61 miles northwest of Unalaska and has experienced over 90 earthquakes within the last three days. The island is part of the Alaska Marine Maritime National Wildlife Refuge and supports an important rookery and haulout for endangered stellar sea lions and northern fur seals, as well as nesting grounds for over 50,000 mirrors, kittiwakes, and other seabirds, according to the National Park Service. Jessica Larson is a scientist with the Alaska Volcano Observatory. She says an eruption is not imminent, but they will be monitoring the volcano closely. It just means that we have some interesting seismic activity. We're going to keep our eye on it. We're going to keep analyzing that data. And we're going to look for increases in seismicity or any other type of observation we can make with satellites to see if there's any other unrest going on. One challenge with monitoring is that Bogusloff is mostly underwater, so looking for signs like gas emissions can be difficult. The last time the volcano erupted was in 2017, which sent ash all the way to Unalaska. You can track volcanic activity on the Alaska Volcano Observatory's website at avo.alaska.edu. And as for the weather, it's currently 41 degrees and sunny out today in Juneau. The low tonight is 32 degrees. Tomorrow will be more of the same. Some clouds might creep in a little bit on Sunday and Monday. You're listening to KTOO.